Well, good morning to each and every one of you. It's great to see all of you here on the main level on site and up in the balcony on site. And welcome to our church family that have joined online and to our many guests that have joined us from across the nation of Canada and around the world. Well, Christmas is literally just around the corner. They're calling for snow later today. Anybody looking forward to snow? Anybody? Anybody like shoveling snow, lift up your hand. I would like to see you after the service, invite you over to our house tonight, and you can shovel out our driveway. We will welcome that. Well, we're going to begin today a brand new six-part Christmassy sermon series, and we're calling it Christmas Has a Name. And we're going to take six Sundays to explore the six names that are found in the book of Isaiah. Five of those names are found in Isaiah chapter 9. He's called Wonderful. He's called Counselor. He's called Mighty God. And then he's called Everlasting Father. Then he's called Prince of Peace. And then in Isaiah chapter 7, he's called God with us. So I want to invite you to pull out your Bible with me this morning and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to explore that first name, Wonderful. Could everybody say that name, Wonderful? One, two, three. Wonderful. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 to 6, I want to give you the context of where we are heading today. And it's, it's 732 B.C., and times are tough, and, and God's people are feeling trapped in and desolate and abandoned and hopeless and helpless because the Assyrians had attacked them. And they were now in this bondage of the Assyrians attacking them, and Isaiah begins to speak prophetically about Jesus. Let's read it in verse number one. Nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Let me push pause there. And Zebulun is way up in the northwest of Israel. And Naphtali, the tribe, was way up in the northeast. And when the Assyrians attacked them, that was the first group of people that experienced the attack. It's kind of like, man, every time the Assyrians attack, we get it first. And so that's why Isaiah pointed it out. He said, but the future, he will honor, he gets very geographical here, Galilee of the nations. Remember Jesus born, uh, Jesus born in Bethlehem, but lived in Nazareth of Galilee, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan. Look at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Verse 3, you've enlarged the nation. You increase their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest. And then he gets very military in his terminology as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. And then in verse number four, he talks about the day of the Midian's defeat. You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Verse five, very military wording. Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And then you come to verse six, and Isaiah gets very prophetic, and he looks into the future, and he begins to prophesy about Jesus. Now, naming a baby is cool, isn't it? And in, in, in Jewish culture, sometimes they would name the baby because of what was going on in the circumstance when the baby was born. Sometimes they named the baby after a physical feature of the baby. Sometimes they named the baby because of a family name. But often they named the baby with this prophetic aspect to it. They were speaking something about the destiny of the child. And that's what happened right here. Look at verse 6. Isaiah said, for to us... A child is born. 
And right there, he's, he's speaking about the, the humanity of Jesus. For us, a child is born. Then he says, to us, a son is given. He's speaking about the deity of Jesus right here. And then he said, and the government will be on his shoulders. And right here, what he is doing, he's saying that this Jesus will fulfill all that is expected upon the kingly dynasty of David. And then he says these amazing words. He will be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And so for a few moments today, I want us to camp on that first name, wonderful. And it comes from an ancient Hebrew word, Pele or Pele. Now, I don't know if there's any soccer fans in the house or any soccer fans watching right now on live streaming, but I'm told that there was this Brazilian soccer player. He's like 80 years old now. He's now retired, and he's one of the greatest footballers of all times, and they called him Pele. Some of you are nodding your heads. And that's what that ancient Hebrew name for wonderful means, Pele or Pele. So I want to walk you, number one, I want to give you eight nuances or eight shades, eight different nuances of that name, Wonderful. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Any, anybody, anybody already put up their Christmas lights outside? Put up your hand. You put them up. Put your hand down. Anybody not put up your Christmas lights yet? Put up your hand. It's okay to admit it. I'm one of those guys that always waited till the coldest day to put them up. This year, I got them up on the warmest day. I'm proud of myself. But every year i got to go back to the store to get more Christmas lights because they always break, right? Now, I don't know about you, but we've got white lights on our house. And I've discovered that you could bring home the wrong color of white. Wouldn't you think there's just one white? No. You go to the store, there's warm white. You go to the store, there's pure white. You go to the store, there's, there's a cool white. All these different shades. I thought white was white. And we're going to learn today that the, the Hebrew word Pele has, has eight different shades or eight different nuances to it. So let's get right to it. Number one is, is the word that's been translated in Isaiah chapter 9, wonderful. Oh, I love that. You, you know, you sing the song, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Come on, you've sung that one before. Um, there was an old song that, that we sang when I was growing up about Jesus, his name is wonderful. Anybody remember that song? We, we sung it as a young child. His name is wonderful. I even find myself at the end of my prayer often saying, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Now, I want you to see that wonderful is one of the, the shades or the nuances. It means, it means extremely good. It means delightful. It means inspiring. But then there's number two. There's another shade, extraordinary. I love that. That's what, that's what Pele means. It means extraordinary. Not ordinary, but the extra is added to it. It's out of the ordinary. It's above the ordinary. And Jesus is extraordinary. Then there's number three, astonishing. There's another shade. There's another nuance. There's, a, there's another shade of it. It means extremely surprising, impressive, amazing, wonderful, extraordinary, astonishing. And then there's number four, unusual. That's another, that's another nuance of, of Pele. Not common. I mean, Jesus is not common. Jesus is, is a step above. Jesus is God. Jesus is the wonderful. But number five is one that hits me, hard to understand. 
I mean, can you imagine getting a call yesterday morning like I did from Rachel that, that, that her 14-month-old child had just died? And I rushed to Roger Nielsen's house, and I'm, I'm there in the room with them as, as she's holding on to her 14-month-old daughter that they've journeyed through cancer. And i got to admit to you, it's hard to understand. And there's some of you sitting here today, and there's some of you watching online, you're like, Mark, it's hard to understand. I don't get God in this. And if only God would tell me. And, and I, I, you know what, church? I actually think if Jesus tried to explain it to us, we still wouldn't understand it. And there's another shade to wonderful, hard to understand. But then there's number six, marvelous, marvelous. Number five, hard to understand. Number six, marvelous. And then number seven, I love this, beyond our ability. Now, what Mark and Evelyn have been walking through is so pale compared to what Rob and Rachel have been walking through. And, and some of you have been emailing us and asking us because a number of months ago, Evelyn's hearing just went deaf in one ear. She lost hearing completely in one ear. And uh, they call it sudden hearing loss. And uh, so she's gone through all these tests. We've gone to all the specialists. She's had all the different medications and nothing's worked. A few weeks ago, she had an MRI and, and people have been asking us, what are the results? Well, it's kind of good and bad. It's good that they found nothing serious, but it's bad in the sense that there's nothing else they can do. Now, here's how we live our life. We believe God wants us to do what we can do, right? But, but let God do what only he can do. So in our prayer life right now, we're like Jesus. We don't know what's going to be for Evelyn. Is she going to be deaf in one ear while she's here on earth? But Lord, there's nothing we can do. We've tried everything. Now we are submitting this to you. It's beyond our ability. Do what you can do, but let God do what only he can do. Now, number eight, I don't know if you knew this, this is one of the greatest shades or nuances of the word wonderful, and it actually means, number eight, miracle. Isn't that powerful? You see, Jesus is not just wonderful Jesus. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is not just the miraculous working Jesus. He is miracle. So at the beginning of this message, I want you to see those eight shades, those eight nuances. Now, I started to study that Hebrew word pele, and I discovered it 13 times in the Old Testament. But what really struck out to me is seven of those 13 times is in the book of Psalms. The most times Pele is found in the Bible in Hebrew is in the book of Psalms. So I started to read all seven times it's found in the book of Psalms. And I pulled out my pen and I pulled out a piece of paper and the Lord just begin to download to me seven Pele principles from the book of Psalms that I want to impart to you today. So the first one, I want you to write this in your notes. Number one, it's the principle of recollection. It's the principle of remembrance. It's the principle of recollection. Let me read to you very quickly Psalm 77, 1 to 11. The psalmist said, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. Look at verse 2. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out untiring hands. I would not be comforted. Look at verse 3. He's now starting to paint towards the, the Hebrew word uh, of, of, of Pele. He says, I, I remembered you, God, and I groaned. 
I meditated and my spirit grew faint. Verse four, you kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. Verse six, I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated. My spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Verse 9, has God forgotten to be merciful? Has, has he in anger withheld his compassion to please, church? Notice verse 10 and verse 11. He said, then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his hand. Oh, look at verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your Pele, your miracles of long ago. And church, I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what challenge you're walking. But, but I'll tell you what helps Mark and Evelyn to remember what God has done in the past. If you ever struggle with his faithfulness today, recollect his faithfulness of long ago. I got a question. I think I know the answer. How many people know Jesus has been faithful to you? Come on, in the years gone. Come on, how many people know Jesus has been faithful to you in the years ago? And so whatever you're walking through, live out the principle of recollection. Remember what he's done, and that'll help you with what you're walking through. Then there's number two, the principle of declaration. The principle number two of declaration, it's right here in the same chapter. It's just two verses. I, I just saw it. It came off the pages, the principle of declaration. And the psalmist began to declare something. He said, your ways, God, this is verse 13, are holy. What God is as great as our God? Wow, man, there's a whole sermon right there. How many people know our God is good? How many people know our God is great? Amen. And the psalmist is declaring it. And then he declared in verse 14, you are the God who performs miracles. Pele, you display your power among the peoples. And I want to challenge you to declare this. Declare that he is good. Declare who he is. Declare what he can do. Number two, the principle of declaration. And then there's number three, the principle of impartation. You know, church, I'm 57 years old. And, and, I, and I really feel the Lord's been speaking to me in this season of ministry, 34 years, almost 35 years pastoring. And uh, actually, it is 35, almost 36 years pastoring. Where is time gone? And I realize that it's important that we pass on something good to the next generation. You see, in our church, we've got lots of millennials. We've got lots of Generation Z. We've got lots of youth, lots of young adults, lots of children. What are we passing on to the next generation? It's the principle of impartation. Let me read to you from Psalm 78. The psalmist said, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. Verse 3, things we've heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. Look at verse 4. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. Verse 5, he decreed statues for Jacob, established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. Oh, please look at verse six. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. 
Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. And then I came to verse number nine, where he talks about the men of Ephraim. And, and many Bible scholars believe he's referring to something that's recorded in the book of Chronicles, where the men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. He, he gives a recollection of soldiers of Ephraim, that they're in battle and they turned back. Why did they turn back? Verse 11, they forgot what he had done, the wonders he had showed them. He did, here's the, Greek, here's the Hebrew word, Pele. He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors in the land of Egypt in the region of Zoan. I'm just gonna read verse 13 and 14, but it goes on and on in this chapter. He divided the sea. He led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with the light from the fire of all night. You see, the men of Ephraim were in battle and they bailed on the battle because they forgot that the God who had parted the Red Sea can bring them victory. They forgot that the God who had given them manna every day is the God who would give them victory. They forgot what God had done. I want to be the guy, and I want you men to be the men and you ladies to be the ladies. I want you parents and you grandparents to pass on to the next generation what God has done so that we would not be like the people of Ephraim. Come on, somebody give a little amen today. But we would hold on to what God has done. Number three, the principle of impartation. But then there's number four, the principle of desperation. And I started to read chapter 88. And I saw that the psalmist was so desperate. It's like, God, if you don't show up, I'm finished. God, if you don't do something, it's over. God, we really, we really need you. I don't know about you, but in this COVID season, I'm sensing a little desperation. I'm sensing people saying, I'm done. I'm finished. I can't take it anymore. I don't like what I'm seeing. God, we need you. How many people know God is real? God is mighty. God has not forgotten his church. Just like we sung today, I believe the best is yet to come. But God is looking for his people to be desperate. Lord, we can't do this without you. Let me read to you from chapter 88, the principle of desperation. Lord, you are the God who saves me day and night. I cry out to you. Verse 2, may my prayer come before you. Turn your ears to my cry. Verse 3, I'm overwhelmed with troubles. My life draws near to death. You put me in the lowest pit, verse 6, in the darkest depths. Verse 8, you've taken from me my closest friends. You've made me repulsive to them. I'm confined. I cannot escape. The psalmist is so desperate. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Then it's verse 10. Here's the Hebrew word, Pele. Do you show your wonders to the dead? You see the desperation? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? I wonder if one of the things God is trying to teach the church that we need him more than ever, and without him we can do nothing. I don't know about you, but the more we walk through the COVID season, the more I realize I really need Jesus in my life every single day. I need him every single day, every single day, the principle of desperation. But then there's number five, the principle of expectation. You see, church, God wants a spirit of expectation to rise. Look at, now, there's a subtle shift, and I see it in verse 12 and verse 13. Are your Pele, are your wonders 
known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of the oblivion. But verse 13, there's just a subtle shift of expectation. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. The psalmist starts the morning with prayer. It's like it's dark, but now it's morning. It's a new day. And then all of a sudden, the climate of expectation changes. It's morning, and I'm going to start praying. The dark is there. The light is here. Church, I'm praying that God would raise up in my heart and in your heart and in this church an atmosphere of expectation. Come on, Woodville. Can we, can we let an atmosphere of expectation? God, I'm getting excited. I'm really getting excited. I, I know that Toronto's in lockdown, and I don't know what Christmas is going to be like, and I don't get all the politics in the United States, and I don't like what I'm seeing, but God, I'm getting excited because you must be up to something, big God. Because you know what, church? It's always the darkest before the dawn. It's always the darkest before the sun rises up. And I just prophetically speak that Jesus, the wonderful, knows that we're in a dark season, but he's still Lord of all. He's still wonderful. And he's looking for his church to have some expectation. Come on, put your hands together. Leave a little clap offering of praise to the Lord God. And then there's number six, the principle of exaltation. It's the elevation of worship. And I want to challenge you, whatever you're walking through, don't stop giving him praise. Don't stop giving him worship. Look at Psalm 89. The psalmist said, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will, verse 2, declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Look at verse 5. The heavens praise your pele, your wonders. Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. I love verse 7. He is more awesome than all who surround him. I love verse 8. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty. And your faithfulness surrounds you. Man, I've always said that God's faithfulness surrounds me, but before God's faithfulness surrounds me, his faithfulness surrounds him. Amen. So come on, Woodville, don't stop giving him praise. Don't stop giving him worship. You're in the storm, give him praise. You're in the darkness of COVID, give him praise, amen. You're walking through your darkest, deepest valley, give him praise. Hey, come on, Woodville, give him praise, amen. Don't stop, don't stop. And then there's number seven. This is the last one. It's the principle of devotion. And I'm inviting us to not just have a decision for Jesus, I'm inviting us to have a devotion for Jesus. And I got to Psalm 119. Aren't you glad I'm not going to read that entire chapter this morning? It's a long chapter. But I saw the final time Pele was found in the book of Psalms. And it's found in Psalm 119. I want to read to you 129 to 131. Could you stand to your feet with me? And I want the band to come up on the platform and join me. But I want to read to you Psalm 129, Psalm 130, and Psalm 131, where the psalmist said, your statutes are wonderful. Your statutes are Pele. Your statutes are beyond our understanding. 
Your statutes are astonishing. Your statutes are marvelous. Your law, your word is miracle. Therefore, I obey them. And church, there's a sermon itself right there. When you love Jesus, you love his word. And when you love Jesus, you obey his word. Amen. Verse 130, I love this. The unfolding of your words gives light. Now, now look this way. I've read the Bible since I was a young boy, but God is still unfolding the word to me. Have you ever read a scripture that came to light all of a sudden? It's like God unfolded it and you saw something new in it that you've never seen before. Anybody, anybody relate to that? You had that moment? It's like, I've read that, but whoa, that's a word for me today. My prayer is that God would unfold his word to you today and give you light. It gives understanding to the simple. Look at Psalm 131, 119, 131. I open my mouth and I pant longing for your commands. You know, church, whether news is fake news, whether the news is all right or it's all wrong or it's all true or it's all exaggerated, I don't have a sweet clue, but I am done with watching the news. I'm done, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I come home for supper and we turn on the six o'clock news and I am not exhorted. I'm not encouraged. I'm not even encouraged when I full pull up my app and see how many new COVID cases in Ottawa. And, and I, I'm, I'm not exhorted and I'm not encouraged. And I'm not trying to be an ostrich with my head in the sand. And it's not like I'm never going to watch the news again. It's not like I'm, I'm, I'm taking my TV, Pastor Brad, and breaking it up. and putting. I'm not doing that. I'm not, you want it, don't you? you? Before I do that, you'd like me to give it to you. I'm not there, but I'm done with filling my mind with what all the news is saying. And I'm starting to fill my mind and my heart more with the word of God. I pant for the word of God. It's just like Ezekiel took the scroll and he physically ate it. You, you, know, you know that scripture. He physically ate the scroll. It's like God's been saying to me, eat my word, and it's going to give you nourishment. And I felt Holy Spirit say to me, to say to you today, that when you get in the presence of God, he's going to unfold his word. He's going to unfold his word. He's going to show you the fine print of his word. And he's going to give you a fresh revelation of what you need for the day. So church, we serve Jesus who is wonderful. Amen. Come on, we serve a Jesus who is wonderful. And I want Pastor Brad and the worship band to lead us in worship because we're believing that the best is yet to come, amen. We're believing for, for miracles. We're believing for breakthrough. And, and I know it's hard to understand. I mean, I don't get it. And Thursday's not going to be an easy day in this place as I, I do my best to offer words of comfort to, to a broken couple. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But when you can't, trace the hand of Jesus. Learn to trust the heart of Jesus. Learn to trust the heart of Jesus. He's for you. He's not against you. He's not here to damage you. He's not here to destroy you. He's with you. Come on, Woodville. He's with you. And he is wonderful. He is wonderful. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. So whether you're on site or you're at home, whether you're in the city of Ottawa or you're somewhere across Canada or you're somewhere around the world, I want you right now 
to feel the freedom to lift your hands wherever you are. Come on, Winfield, lift your hands. And we're not going to worship him for what he does. We're going to worship him for who he is. He is. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. Come on, Brad, go ahead and sing. Let's worship together.
just like the word of the Lord says that faithfulness surrounds him. I believe the Lord wants to say to the house today that his faithfulness that surrounds him is the faithfulness of God that is surrounding you. Amen. And so by faith, we declare breakthrough is coming in the name of the Lord. We declare Pele in this place. We declare Pele in the nation of Canada. Come on, give a clap offering of praise to the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask that every head would be bowed and everyone's eyes would be closed in the main auditorium up in the balcony watching online. And if today was the day that you died, today was the day that you stepped into eternity, today was the day that you left earth and you stepped into eternity, do you know that you know that you're going to heaven? Do you know that you're ready to meet your creator? Do you know that you're ready to meet your maker? Was there a time, a place, a moment that you personally asked Jesus Christ in your life? The Bible says that the way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. He died for you. It's not what you do. It's by grace and by grace alone. Have you personally asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins? Have you personally asked Jesus to come into your life? Have you made a decision that has moved to devotion? Have you made a decision to ask Jesus into your life? I'm not asking you to go to church I'm not asking you that you give in the offering. I'm not asking you that you read your Bible. I'm not asking you, did did your parents bring you to church when you're a child? I'm asking you, have you personally asked Jesus in your life? And you're standing here in the main auditorium or you're up in the balcony, you're watching online and you've never done that. Before this service closes, we wanna give you that opportunity. And I wanna lead you in this prayer. And I want to invite you, church, to join those that are praying this prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I ask you into my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I have decided to follow Jesus. I need you in my life. I accept you in my life. I confess you today as my Savior and my Lord. I pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to open your eyes and look this way. Could we celebrate for a moment salvation? And whether you're here on site or you're watching online and you accepted Jesus, you made the best decision of your life. If you're here on site, in a few moments on your way out, we got tables on the exit points and we've got a Bible for you. It's free. It's our gift to you. We got a little booklet for you. It's free. It's going to help you in your new faith journey. We've got, they can tell you how we can help you in your new faith journey. And if you live in the Ottawa area and you don't attend a life-giving Bible-believing church, we'd encourage you to join us in the journey. But if you live somewhere across Canada or around the world, and we're going to help you if you reach out to us, we're going to help you find a Bible-believing, life-giving church. Amen. Now, in just a couple of moments, this service is going to close. I'm going to lead us in prayer. But before I do, I want to invite you as a church to take this word, Jesus is wonderful. Take these notes and let it stir in your hearts. Next Sunday night, six o'clock is our prayer night. And I, I just feel the Lord urging me very strongly to call this church to a deeper level of prayer. It's one hour, it's family friendly. And we're gonna gather on site. If you can't make it on site, we're gonna offer it online, but, but don't cop out if you can come on site, come on site. Online is for those that can't make it for, for reasons beyond that we may not even understand, and we get that. 
But we're just believing that the temperature of prayer will rise in this place. And I invite you to join us next Sunday night. And I want to thank you for being a church that's so generous. First Sunday of December, we're going to share with you some of the generosity things that have been going on through you. And then some of the generosity things that we can do during the month of December. We're going to wait till the first Sunday of December. And we're going to share that. And as your pastor, I want to thank you for your faithful giving. You are a faithful giving church. And most of you are giving online, and thank you for that. But a number of you come prepared to give this morning of tithes and offerings. Ushers are at the back, and they're there to serve you and help you. There's debit machines in the lobby. But, but thank you, Woodvale, for your faithful giving. Keep being a faithful giver. And after we pray, there's going to be a team of altar workers standing at the front. And if you'd like somebody to personally pray for you, we'd love to do it. COVID-friendly prayer. There's a spot for you to stay and a spot for them to stand. They're going to pray for you because we believe in the power of prayer. And after the service closes, we, we can't yet make the lobby, the hangout place. Go outside, keep your mask on, six feet, talk it up, have some koinonia, have some fellowship. And this week, remember Rob and Rachel and Riley in prayer. And again, 11 o'clock Thursday is the service to honor Tessa's life and be in prayer for that. It'll happen on site. We're Lord willing, Pastor Brad. We, we hope and offer it online as well. And uh, our hearts break. This is one of those hard to understand nuances of Pele. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But we need to pray for them. I just want to pray for you in these closing moments. So, Father God, thank you for this amazing church. They're hungry for you. Thank you, God, for the worship this morning, the songs that. I believe your spirit has led Pastor Brad to lead us in today. We're so God's spirit led. God, there's such a freedom in this place. There's an atmosphere of expectation rising up. There's, a, there's an atmosphere of desperation rising up in this place. God, we really need you. And I pray, God, for everyone in this place, whatever they're walking through, that you would strengthen them, you would help them. I pray for those that are watching, I are walking the deepest, darkest valley. Would you, wonderful Jesus, be wonderful to them? God, I pray that you give us a great prayer night next Sunday night. I pray, God, as we're stepping into this Christmas season, Lord, help us to be the church for this community. I thank you, God, for everyone here. I thank you for everyone watching online. Lift our spirits. Lift our spirits. I pray, God, that worship and exaltation would, would rise up in our hearts. And I pray blessing upon every single one. So, God, thank you for our time today. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, amen. Come on, give another clap offering of praise to the Lord God. Amen. <laughs>